Welcome to another edition of the Basketball Teacher Podcast. Our mission is to bring you discussions on a wide array of topics in the coaching world to grow players on and off the court. You can connect with us on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, and also reach us directly through email at basketballteacherpodcast at gmail.com. Now, here's your host, Coach Mike Hernandez. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you guys so much for joining us here for another episode. Wherever in the world you're listening to us from, whatever platform you guys are listening to us on, as always, thank you guys so much for the support. Thanks for checking this episode out. And thank you again for sharing this podcast with those who might be interested in the game and coaching and just basketball in general. So welcome, guys. And and here we go with another episode. I am very happy, uh, X's and O's wise, whenever I get to talk uh, defense uh, as as a coach personally, as I'm sure many of you have listened for a while know, like I I love uh, pressing. I love up-tempo defense. I, I love just talking about the mixtures of all the types of defenses that teams run, man, two, three, uh, half court trap, you know, one, three, one, everything involving defense. And so to have the opportunity to discuss defense with my guests today, uh, that is something I'm very much looking forward to. We're going to talk in a general sense about the idea of mixing and and blending defenses. Uh, We'll we'll talk also uh, about the the buzz defense uh, in particular, which which I know some of you may have heard of and some of you may only know a little bit about. I know I personally am am, am looking forward to learning a little bit about it as well. Um, But in general, uh, we're just going to talk some defense, talk about defensive strategy, mixing up defenses, blending different defensive styles. And so if you're a defensive-minded person like me, uh, this should be a lot of fun. And I'm very happy to be joined by uh, the varsity girls basketball coach out at Crestview High School. Coach Aaron Blatch is joining us today. Coach, appreciate you coming on, spending some time talking to us. How are we doing? Coach, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, we're at really cool opportunity, and uh, I'm doing well and excited to talk with you. Yeah, we're really, really excited. Let, let's let's jump right in, Coach. Let's talk about your basketball journey, your coaching journey. Where Where has the game taken you throughout your journey, and what ultimately led you out to Crestview? Um, so yeah, I, uh, I, I've been really fortunate. Um, I've had a lot of great experiences through the game. Uh, like you said, I'm, I'm currently the varsity girls coach at Crestview high school, which is a, uh, pretty small school in Columbiana, Ohio. Um, we just wrapped up, uh, this is my sixth season out there as head coach. Uh, it's my eighth year overall as a head coach. Uh, so I, I've been coaching, I'm currently 35 years old, um, I've been coaching since I graduated high school. Uh, and it was something that through school, uh, you know, I don't think I ever really gave a lot of thought to. Obviously, I was a player and, you know, when our high school season wrapped up, I, I wasn't planning on playing at the next level and wasn't 100% sure what I was going to do. And, uh, you know, I, I actually remember at my graduation party, my varsity coach, uh, you know, came to me like completely out of the blue and said like why don't you coach our JV team next year hmm. you know and I'm I'm 18 years old I was going to go to college uh I went to Youngstown State which I was just kind of commuting it's a half hour away from where I live and I I thought well you know wow that kind of sounds like a good opportunity well we realized soon after that our school actually had a policy that you couldn't be like a paid coach until you were 21 so I wasn't able to actually coach the JV, but what we did instead is I started uh, coaching some youth teams. Uh, our high school didn't really have much of a youth program at that time, so I kind of got that started. 
um, you know, coaching like some fifth and sixth graders. And uh, from there, did that for a few years and kind of worked my way up to to middle school. And then I became the JV coach and, um, you know, continuing to work with some younger groups, uh, you know, until I was able to get an opportunity to become the head boys coach uh, at my alma mater. Uh, you know, I uh, was there for two years and then this opportunity at Crestview arose i ended up getting a teaching job at crestview as well nice. and uh you know we're you know we we've had a, had a lot of success i'm blessed with some great kids and uh great coaching staff around me my brother's been with me uh for the last six years on staff as well so that's a cool thing that we kind of get to share cool. and uh yeah you know that this year we're we're coming off a year where we had a lot of success uh our varsity group won 21 games, which was one shy of the school record. Uh, we ended up winning our first league championship in our tenure, I think the first since 2008, 2008 or nine for the school. Uh, finished second in the district and uh, we're able to do that with a really young team or our team this season. Um, you know, really, we had no seniors. We had one junior. So a lot of nights we were starting two freshmen and three sophomores. So we uh, have a really nice young core coming back. And again, like I said, just basketball has been good to me and uh, Crestview has been good to me. And I'm, I'm really, really proud of the kids that we have had and the kids that we have coming up now. I yeah, know that, that that's fantastic. That's awesome. And, and to have such a successful season like you did with such a young group, I mean, that must be really exciting. And 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 you must be really looking forward to what you're going to be able to do with them next year. That sounds great. Yeah, we, you know, just, just some really hardworking kids, you know, that even though they're young, they've played a lot of basketball. They're, they're in the gym a lot. They're in the weight room a lot. And, uh, you know, I'm getting a text from one of them as we speak, asking to come in and get some shots up tomorrow after school. So I have to get back to her here soon. And, you know, I mean, just, just some girls that are, that are very committed and that kind of makes my job easy. Yeah, that, that is awesome coach. And I know one of the things that um, you, you, we, we talked a little bit about off air is that uh, there, there's a lot of, you know, sets that you like to run on the offensive end. You mentioned about how you were, uh, set heavy last year. And so I was just curious in, in, on the offensive end, what sort of sets or set actions uh, did you find some success in, in the past, this past year? Yeah, we, uh, it, it's funny with as young as we are by the, I, by the end of the year, I kind of looked at our playbook and thought like, man, we're running a lot more stuff than what we normally do. Um, you know, I kind of wondered coming into the year, if we'd have to, cut back a little bit just due to our inexperience. But, you know, we, we've had a nice high uh, high IQ group of girls that picked up on a lot of different things. So as far as our sets go, you know, my primary goal when we're running sets is to take advantage of the skills of our best kids. Uh, you know, we're the, – the sets that we run are probably going to vary year to year. Now, next year we might have – a lot of continuity just because we're pretty much bringing the same group back. But, you know, we'll come into each season looking at our most skilled few kids offensively and fig try to figure out what's the best way to get them the ball in positions where they can play with some space, that they can get an advantage. And what we really did this year, uh, 
is uh, we, we've got a sophomore post player, a uh, very talented young lady. And, uh, you know, she's our second leading scorer. But mm-hmm. most of what we would run set-wise was to her because we felt like our perimeter people, the ball's kind of in their hands a lot. They're able to kind of create some without a play, and they're able to get going and transition a little bit more where we felt like we wanted to make sure that we weren't neglecting the post when things slowed down. So we ran a lot of things to try to get the uh, – you know, we uh, mm-hmm. sometimes out of a horns alignment, um, sometimes out of a box alignment, we would do some different things. Uh, and, and they're all simple. You know, when when I say we run a lot of stuff, these are the majority of our sets are quick hitting two pass things that are easily memorized and you know that we can go to a couple times here sure. and there during a game and try to steal some points. Uh, you know, probably the easiest thing that we did to kind of isolate our post player is it's the dumbest thing, but we got great looks. It's just out of a box. You know, we would put her on the left block. And we would just run everybody else over to the left side and overload the side and kind of take away backside help and hit the wing and go right in. And when, you know, when teams really tried to take that away, a lot of times they would just leave that ball side corner trying to sink down. And we hit numerous threes off of that action Mm -hmm. as well. I mean, again, this is, you could put this in in two minutes. You know, I mean, nothing. yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it uh, sounded like it was uh, going to the the strengths and the skill set of the players you had. But oh yeah, just you know, simple to run. We got our post girl a lot of deep catches. She got some good things, and you know, and again, then just when help comes, when teams try to take that action away, just being basketball players and seeing what's available and being ready to shoot. Uh, you know, uh, we we've run one out of a horn set for years that we call big, um, that we've had great success. Where, you know, we'll we'll hit one elbow out of horns, and after we do that, the point guard just cuts straight up the middle to the rim. Our other elbow girl will just kind of set like a fake down screen, and then the point guard cross screens for her. Hmm. Her. It is just a really easy way to get the defense occupied a little bit. And then we, I mean, I, honestly, probably 80% of the time when we've gone to it, you know, we're getting a deep post catch for our best post player right off that entry. So, again, just, you know, it, it's a two-pass thing. It's nothing creative. I'm sure lots of teams run similar stuff. But, you know, we, we like, you know, there's been numerous times where late in games, you know, where – Maybe we've, you know, kind of freelanced a little bit or played out of our dribble drive. Yeah. Stuff a lot. And, you know, hey, it's a close game, fourth quarter, where we've needed to make a call. And maybe we pick something out that we haven't really used that game and, you know, gotten something easy, a deep post catch, something to draw foul or get a layup on. And that, you know, has really helped us late. So, I, you know, I think it's important to have some choices. Uh you know, when I say we're set heavy, I mean, I, I also feel like the majority of possessions were giving our kids a lot of freedom. I mean, I'm not somebody that wants to try to micromanage. 
yeah. debris movement. But, you know, when things slow down a little bit, you really need one. I think it, it's been nice for us to, you know, to have a few different things that we could go to. Yeah, no, I mean, it, and I I think that the key I get out of that is that it's it, it's simple. Like you said, a lot of this stuff is just kind of easy to run. And it sounds like what you kind of did is just assess the strengths of your players and just play to that and, and find the sets and find the actions that just, just will give them the best opportunity to be successful. Uh, absolutely. That, you know, that's really what we try to do. And, and also with us, like, we don't start putting a bunch of sets in too early in the preseason either. You know, I mean, we, we try to get in our base stuff and, you know, we'll add little by little as the year goes on. So our playbook game one versus our playbook come tournament time is going to look different for sure. You know, and throughout the mm -hmm. year, there may be one or two things that we put in early that we just decide, you know what, we're not really getting what we hoped out of that and just kind of scrap them and, you know, we're yeah. Place them with something else. So, you know, there there's never a time where, hey, today at practice we're going to put in twelve sets or anything. Like that. <laughs> we kind of add yeah. up little by little, and you know, our I said our, our girls. I I was impressed that you know they they really took to it and and were able to execute at a really high level. Yeah, no, that that's awesome, Coach. Let's talk about uh, defense, and I I wanted to. Uh, before we kind of talk about in in general mixing and blending defenses, I I think you are probably, if not definitely, one of the first guests I've talked to that that even implements um a buzz defense. And and I know a little bit about it, but there might be those listening who might not be too sure what what that really means or what that looks like. So can we we start with having you kind of talk about the the philosophy behind why it is that you that you run it and kind of kind of what it is and how it looks like for your team. Yeah, I, so you know, first of all, this is this is certainly nothing that we've created, uh, sure. you know. But it, it it is kind of, I'll say, in our area, I don't think I've seen anybody run this exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's a little bit of a change up, uh, you know. I would not recommend it being. Your base, you know, there's been some years where we've maybe run it, maybe even overused it, but I, I do like it. We've had a lot of success. Basically, it's a, it's a half-court trap uh, where you're essentially playing passing lanes. So rather than guarding the ball straight up, so like if the opposing team is dribbling the ball down and they have a guard dribbling the ball, ball down near the center circle we're gonna have our top two basically play angled at that center circle so that any pass to the left or the right has to either be a lob pass over us or has to be like a slow bounce so we're trying to cut out all direct line passes rather than squaring up the ball and uh what we have found when our angles are good we're very good at it um you know, trust me, there's been plenty of times where our angles haven't been as good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and and you can tell because if teams are just whipping the ball all over the place, then that's a pretty good sign that we're not doing a good enough job of playing out in passing lanes. But, you know, if, if the ball goes to a wing, then similarly, the guard on that side is coming, playing the passing lane back to the top the wing on that side is playing the passing lane to the corner. 
So same thing, we don't want to allow any straight line passes. Now, we're not actually guarding the ball super aggressively. Mm -hmm. um, but we found that, like, you know, there's people around. Um, a lot of kids kind of get panicky because, you know, it's it just kind of unconventional. If they drive the ball, like, they have some space to drive it, but then our center girl is playing between the ball and the basket. So she's always kind of there. If they put it on the floor, we're going to double it just aggressively and try to force them to make a play. If the ball goes to the corner, our wing is going to follow it, and then our okay. center is going to kick out, and now we're aggressively trapping the corner. And then, obviously, we need to rotate to the ball side block into the middle. So, you know, we let players kind of pick their spots a little bit. Um, like, I, I don't really want it to look exactly the same every possession. But as a general rule, we're kind of soft trapping the wing and top and then hard trapping the corner. And really, when it goes corner, we're hoping to use our length and use our rotations to try to force a turnover there. So that, you know, that's kind of the, the short, basic version of it. You know, we teach, and, and I, I got this somewhere else, but, you know, we just call it home bases where when we break this down kind of in like a shell drill type deal where, you know, all right, the ball's on top, where would our home bases be? Ball's uh, I like on the that terminology, the home base. That's good. <laughs> Yeah, I, I like that a lot as well. I think that's just a quick, you know, even during game time, you know, you can just shout out from the bench, you know, home base, get to your bases, you know, whether the ball's on top, the ball's on the wing, the ball's on the corner, and, you know, everybody then should kind of know where to go. That's kind of the, you know, the details mm. behind it. I think to get really good at it, you know, you, you need kids that, that can read. We talk a lot about reading eyes and reading shoulders. You know, like if there's – if we've got the ball in a trap and you're a rotator from there, you know, most people are going to stare down where they're making that next pass. So yeah. can you make something look open and then go and right. take it away, move right. on airtime and try to get a deflection or steal? I, you know, for us – you know, there there has been games. Our second game of this season, uh, we played a team that uh, ended up in the final four of the state uh, okay. of Ohio. And we kind of purposely, we felt like the buzz was going to be a good matchup, you know, against them. They beat us by, I think, 35 the year before. Uh, mm. And, you know, we wanted to do something different. Our our season opener was a team that we felt like we could kind of handle without showing a whole lot. So, you know, we played straight man in the opener, and we played straight buzz basically exclusively yeah. in that second game. And we, we actually ended up getting a win there, you know, where it was just – I mean, I, I think they were confused. They weren't expecting it for a while. Eventually they made some adjustments, but – you know, we probably went up 12, 14 points in the first half where they really just weren't getting real good looks. So I, I encourage coaches, if it's something that you're interested in, 
give it a look. Certainly doesn't need to be your primary defense, but, you know, it, it is so unconventional that, you know, you might be surprised that some teams just kind of, mm. kind of struggle to attack it. Well, and and I think with that, uh, I'm sure if you haven't seen it before, it probably looks like a straight like two three at first, and then mm-hmm. it gets really confusing because it has kind of like those, some of those two three like type principles, but it isn't a two three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, um, you know, and and I even know like sometimes you see that two one two alignment like in the full court and like the middle kids running sideline to sideline, like, you know, it, it's not that it's not a straight two, three, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but I said, I like it. One, it's something we could spring on people and maybe confuse them. And two, you know, if, if we get using it and team scout us, even if it's maybe not part of the game plan for a specific game, it might be something that they're going to spend practice time worrying about. And then maybe we're running something else as well. So yeah, I, I mean, it, it's, it's been good to us um, in spurts. I said, I'll admit there's been times where we've probably overused it, you know, where by the end of this season, I like that. I think it was more of a change up for us rather than like a base we were playing mostly man the second half of the year but you know being able to kind of have that in your back pocket i i think is um is a nice a nice weapon to have again in a lot of matchups and so as you kind of talked about kind of that balance of of how much to use it versus you know when to pull back a little bit what's the process or the you know the thought process between when you mix using that with your, your straight man defense Well, so I feel like, and this is something that, I, that I'm kind of learning more and more, sure. I think you want to have your identity first, uh, you know, and maybe early in the year, you know, I think that we probably weren't a very good man-to-man team. Being as young as we were, you know, we we probably weren't the most physical team, Um you know, to just sit in the stance and lock mm-hmm. somebody up and navigate a ton of screening actions and and all the things that, you know, you need to do to be a great man-to-man team. Uh, I think the buzz is, you know, I think it helped us at times early. I also think maybe subconsciously I was bailing our players out a little bit early in the season by kind of relying on it too much. <laughs> So, you know, as the season went on, I really felt like, look, you know, to beat the best teams on our schedule consistently, we needed to be able to play more straight man. So Mm -hmm. my recommendation is first, whatever you want your identity to be, whether that's a man-to-man team, a two-three zone team, a pressing team, I, I, I would recommend let's get really good at something first. But going with that, I am a coach that, I think it's good to have a few options, you know, um, because you you never know when you're going to need something. You know, I think moving forward for us, our maybe ideal breakdown is we're probably 75, 80% man, and then the buzz making up a lot of the rest of that, you know, playing that, you know, a, a, a quarter of the time or so. Uh, 
but you know, I, I do think that you want to be confident doing one thing and being really good at that one thing. Uh, but you know, I, 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 you know, I, and I always think about it too, like as an offensive coach, you know, it's hard to play against somebody that is going to give you different looks throughout the game and coming out of a timeout, you're not sure what to expect. So I do think there's some value in, you know, having a change up or two as well. When did you kind of come to that realization that you, that you thought your man-to-man defense was, was lacking or, or where it wasn't need, needing to be? Was it was it a practice, a game, just kind of a self-reflection thing? Or what, what kind of brought about the fact that you thought maybe your man, man-to-man defense needed some work to it? Hey, yeah, the, uh, good question. So we uh, – we so this year we finished the year twenty one and three. We lost one league game, and like I said, this was a little bit unexpected. We knew we had a good team, but you know, just you know, how quickly are the freshmen and sophomores going to come along? Well, so we had a big league matchup. Uh, we were tied for first with this other school. Uh, and it, it was right around midseason. And, you know, we uh, we had them at our place, and we hyped the game up. It's the best crowd we've had in six years. Our fans were amazing. Staff was amazing. And, and uh, you know, we felt like – I mean, I, I'll admit, and I don't know if I was right or wrong, but at that time, I just did not believe that we were good enough straight man to beat that team. They're very good. They can shoot it. They're big. They move the ball really well. And uh, so, you know, we felt like they maybe had a weak link or two. Uh, so we actually started the game triangle and two. And that's something that we've done periodically. And, oh, they just torched us. I mean, just, <laughs> just right. I, uh... <laughs> I mean, it was – and give them a ton of credit – you know, their fifth starter starts the game by knocking down back-to-back jumpers. And I think mentally that was, you know, whether they'd say it or not, I think it kind of made our, our players go like, oh, crap, this isn't going to work. <laughs> you know, yeah. it, was, it was a little bit deflating. And, uh, you know, we lose the game by 11. Uh, um, and after the game, I mean, like, it, I mean, we were down. Just I, I personally, I just felt like I didn't do a very good job preparing us to to win the game. You know, we thought we did. We thought we had a good plan. But, you know, I think it was a case of, like, you know, we didn't truly have an identity yet. You know, and it kind of showed in that game that I thought our opponent knew who they were and we didn't quite know who we were yet. Mm-hmm. So from that point on – you know, we players and coaches kind of came to the realization, listen, we got to get better playing half court, man. We can do some other things as needed. Uh, so, you know, we we really kind of forced ourselves to stay in that as much as we could. Got a little bit better, a little bit better. We actually got a televised, the, the local TV station did a game of the week between us and another team that was kind of fighting for the league title. Uh, they, they've got a, a great, excellent player, senior, uh, one league player of the year. So we thought, you know, look, if we can guard them, we're going to probably be able to guard anybody. And we actually, we held them to 30-some points, and we won Heck the game. Yeah. Awesome. It was a huge win. 
And I thought that gave us a lot of confidence. And then moving forward, the team that beat us by 11 the first time, we went to their place late in the year, played straight man 100% of the game. We actually beat them in overtime and, uh, you know, ended up kind of clinching the league title there. So, you know, again, I mm-hmm. I, I want to have options. I want to have different things. But I also think that as a coach and, and as a program, you, you need to know who you are and have that identity first. So I think moving forward, we're in a little bit better spot where, you know, we know our man-to-man stuff is going to be number one. We're going to mix in the buzz. We might mix in another look or two as as well. Um, but, you know, I think we kind of need to have our priorities in line there early in the season. And and speaking of mixing in other stuff, I know that you also uh, will throw in a little bit of triangle in two as well, which which is uh, – very, very unique in that I, I don't see it very often. I don't know if you, you, you see it often, but I know here in Phoenix, it's not, it's not used often. So I was curious about what was the thought process between us uh, with, with sprinkling a little bit of uh, triangle and two in there? Well, so we, we kind of looked at a lot of the best teams in our league and we felt like many of them were heavily reliant on their two best players. And one thing that uh, I think kind of made our team unique and kind of led to us having the success that we did is that, you know, we, we were fairly balanced. Now, if you look at our roster, our leading score averaged 20. Our second leading score averaged 12. But then we had a girl with 10. And then everybody else that we were playing, even if the stats weren't big, they were capable shooters. Like, it's hard not to guard them. Where, Mm. you know, a a few teams in our league, even that are very solid teams, you know, they're number four, they're number five. I didn't really feel like we needed to overreact to them. And kind of interestingly enough, like, you know, I know people have just followed like Iowa's women, uh, you know, in the semifinal game against South Carolina. I mean, it wasn't triangle and two, but like they're just ignoring people that they felt like couldn't shoot. And, you know, and they were yeah. able to beat a team that's probably on paper better than they are top to bottom. Uh, so, again, <laughs> it, it's it's not something that, you know, we want to overuse. But, you know, we've got a couple girls that could get into people defensively. But then when we do it, I really think the zone people are tremendously important because they need to communicate. They need to make decisions very quickly on, you know, do I go and double the best player if she has it on on a skip? Who do I guard? Like, what are our priorities like? It's very scouting-based, and I thought our zone people did a pretty nice job with that as well. And the other thing that they really need to be able to do is rebound the ball, and that's where at times we've run into a little bit of trouble where because it because it's kind of, a, again, it's, it's kind of an unconventional defense and you're not always, like, locked into somebody, sometimes it can be kind of difficult to rebound the ball out of that. So that was something that we had to work on a bit, but – you know, listen, I I feel like most nights, you know, especially at the high school level, 
if you can limit somebody's two best kids and make three, four, five, take some shots, you know, I, I think you're going to be in position to, to win the game most nights. And, you know, we, we had some success with that. We, uh, we, uh, we didn't want to do it, but in our district semifinal game, uh, you know, we, we played a team with a couple pretty good guards. We were playing man and, and, uh, Struggled a little bit. They they were quick. They got by us a little bit. We didn't weren't defending quite as well as we wanted to. Uh, we went to the triangle and two in the fourth quarter, and you know again, I don't think it's something we could have played them the whole game. But you know, we kind of made the right people for us take the shots, and they didn't shoot it very well. We took out their two best kids, and we were able to kind of come back from a little bit of a deficit and win the game. So. I thought just without that change up, I don't know how that game would have gone. So again, just kind of having options late in games, late in the season, um, I, I think is a good thing to have. And that's kind of the trick, I feel like, too. If you're going to do a box in one or a triangle in two, it's kind of like when is the right time to kind of pull the trigger on something like that? Because you, you want to you want to almost go at it like at the exact right time and I know I, I I know for me personally that would always be kind of the struggle that I would have of something like that is like when when would I want to go to something like that or do I just want to stick with you know you know going to going to a man or something else and it seems like it's something that could work really well if you know ex kind of exactly when to do it and how long to put it in but if you if you mistime it then then it, it, it might not end, end too well for you. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I, you know, a couple times over the years, we've just started the game in it. Just kind of thinking, I think it does a couple things. I think it frustrates the other team's best players. And, and I kind of like the thought of starting the game with something that is going to kind of physically and mentally wear on the opponent's best kids. Mm -hmm. So, I. Uh, the other thing is if you do it early and let's say, again, player number four, player number five that aren't their strongest kids, you know, well, what if they, you know, fire up an air ball right off the bat? Well, now what's that kind of doing to them? Like we're not guarding them real aggressively. You know, I, I there's been a couple times over the years, and again, it's not something that we do a ton, but where – it's really, I think, given us a mental advantage early in the game. And eventually, we probably get out of it at some point and either play straight man or, you know, go to the buzz or whatever else. But, you know, I, I think that if somebody kind of is mentally disengaged, I mean, we've had at times opponents' best players just basically stand at half court with their hands on their hips. Mm -hmm. you, you know, they're frustrated and they're not getting the same – touches and shots that they normally get. Uh, you know, now I, I mentioned that semifinal game for yeah. us this year. Again, we had no intention. That was probably plan C for us coming into the game. I, I was hoping that we didn't need to do that. But in that case, it was kind of more out of necessity. What we were doing wasn't working real well. We were getting broken down off the dribble a little bit. And so, you know, I, I'm not sure if that was anything genius on our part. It was more, you know, hey, we're just not doing a very good job. Let's try something else. But 
Um, you know, so we we've used it in some different ways, um, but it, it can be the right matchups. It's, that's kind of the, the 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 science to it, I suppose. And and, and I was going to ask you about when you're kind of making a game plan defensively on how much man you're going to run or, or how, when you're going to mix in maybe, maybe that, that buzz defense and put in maybe even a triangle in two, when you're thinking about putting a defensive game plan together, how much of that is dictated on scouting? Do you kind of have a a set kind of firm plan in mind where there's going to be, you know, in, in this particular game, we're going to go, you know, X percent in this sort of defense and X percent in this sort of defense, or how does that decision kind of get made for you? Uh, yeah, good question. I, uh, I think coming into the game, you'd like to have a, a plan a, you know, of, I, Hey, we're, we're likely to start in this most games. That's probably going to be our man to man, but you know, it may be with this specific lineup in, we want to press or we want to, you know, go triangle or buzz or whatever that may be. Uh, we are pretty scout heavy. When we scout, I mean, the first thing I'm always looking for is who can shoot the ball. I mean, I, I think if we're going to know one thing about an opponent, we want to know who's going to be able to hurt us from the three-point line. If, you know, I mean, you know, generally you're always going to know who the best players are, but around those best players, do they have people who can spot up and make us pay, whether that's for, you know, for really helping out of our man or whether that's, you know, some zone or something kind of out of the ordinary. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to look at their strengths and weaknesses. Uh, but again, and and I, I think that we're getting more to this point as a, as a team and as a program, uh, you know, you want to know who you are, too. Like, I don't feel like we need to start right. every game in a different defense just based on who the other team is. You know, I, I think for us probably this coming year, I wouldn't be surprised if we start every game playing man. And then from there, you know, hey, all right, you know, as we sub or as the opponent subs or if this happens, now we're going to go to this zone or this trap or whatever it may be. Uh, so I, I, I do think it's – there's kind of an art to it, but, you know, I, I think that your players – we need to give our players an opportunity to really get good at something um, and to kind of know who we are as a team. And like I said, I think as the year went on, we probably did a better job of that. And, and I think one of the advantages you kind of get if you kind of – like you said, you kind of know who you are and, and you stick to, you know, the, the things that you believe in. I think that that hopefully takes away that – potential of almost like out coaching yourself so to speak mm -hmm. where you're you, you start to think way too much about maybe what the other team's doing or the exact amount of you know time you need to spend in man or in another defense and you can just sort of trust your team at, at what they're good at I, I I think that having that trust in your team can hopefully you know like I said take away from that desire to really outthink and almost out coach yourself by like putting way too much thought into what the other team's doing Yeah, no, I I agree, and and like I said, I I think we kind of learned this mid season a bit where we left that game, and you know, I mm. just I I just didn't feel good about how we had prepared. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it certainly wasn't a lack of effort. I mean, honestly, we put probably more effort into that game than there as much effort into that game as any game we'd ever had from a planning perspective, but. 
Yeah. In a way, it was probably too much, where I think we got away from maybe what we wanted to do and kind of let them dictate that a little bit more. Uh, you know, so I, I think that's kind of a message that I'm reminding ourselves and I'm reminding our staff. And, and it's also important, I think, to understand whatever you do defensively, like you're not going to shut somebody out. You know, I, I think you need to determine. I wish we could. <laughs> oh, 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 yeah, I, I know. And 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 I, I've got to remember, you know, we we've got a freshman girl, really, really good, very talented girl, average twenty, second team All Ohio kid as a freshman. But you know, whatever we're running, she's so competitive that like, you know, coach, they scored twice. We got to do something else. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm like, well, you know, like, yeah, they're they're good. Like, they got good players, and they they've got good plays, and like, we're we're not going to shut them out. You know, it's, it's not going to matter what we do. So I, I think that, you know, kind of determine what you want to live with and, you know, and if, if the other team makes a few mm-hmm. shots under our terms, like, okay, like that's probably not going to be the end of the world. Uh, you know, so I, I think that's a big part of it too is, you know, figuring out like for us, like, you know, like I said, we, we got a six, one post kid, Excellent shot blocker. In two seasons, I think she's blocked about 170, 180 shots. Uh, wow. So for us, we can live with the ball going into the post because, honestly, she probably going to block the shot anyway if it goes in there. You know, so we we don't worry about it. Now, for a lot of teams and for some teams that I've had in the past, the ball going to the post could be a major problem if you don't have the personnel to guard down there. Yeah. We score one-on-one against our all-state post player rather than send everybody down there and now they're kicking it out for open threes, you know? So like, you know, like that. (laughs) Well, yeah, you know, like just as an example for our team, if, if somebody makes a good move and gets their wands, I don't think we really need to adjust much. Okay, they scored on a 6-1 collegiate-level player, whatever. You know, like, over the course of the game, we believe that they're not going to do that consistently enough to beat us. And for somebody else's team, it may be completely different, you know, what they prioritize and what they kind of can and can't live with. But I think you kind of need to know. Hmm. Oh, to know your players and to know your system and, you know, and figure out what you're, you know, if you're going to lose, what are you okay losing by? Yeah. 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 You got to almost like pick, pick something. Right. And, and no, no coach wants to do that, but I've, you know, I've had my moments too. Where I said, well, if you're going to, if you're going to beat us and you're going to end up beating us, you know, this way, then I guess of all the, all the, all the ways you could beat us, there's like certain, certain ways or certain things you're like, well, if you're going to, if you're going to, if you're going to do this against us, right. All right. Well, and tip my hat to you because, you know, mm-hmm. that it just is what it is sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm. So if so, um, you know, defensive styles that you that you like to do, obviously the man, you know, you'll put in the buzz, you'll put in, um, you know, a little bit of triangle in two. How does that kind of work in terms of uh, your practices? Are, are you mostly focusing on defensive principles in, in, in a man situation and then kind of implementing where, where the, the zone type stuff would fit in? Or what, what do your practices look like in terms of like refining and, and doing defense? Yeah, so we spend far more time practicing our man defense than we do anything else. Uh, you know, uh, 
the the nice thing about the buzz for us is that honestly for as effective as it can be i mm-hmm. don't think it's something that requires a ton of practice time now if you're running that as your main defense and you need to be able to cover a hundred different situations then yeah it probably takes more but you know honestly like if man-to-man is our primary defense and we throw out the buzz and the opponent does a phenomenal job of attacking it honestly we're probably just getting out of it and either going back man or doing something else. Like I'm not claiming to be a master on every single scenario of if the opponent does this or this or this or this. We have our home bases. We have our rules. There's some simple adjustments that we can yeah. make in a huddle at halftime if we felt like we needed to. And 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 I will say I think our players are are pretty smart at kind of adjusting on the fly. But, you know, we don't spend a ton of practice time doing, like, breakdown drills or something for the buzz or for our triangle stuff. Most of that is going to be dedicated to our man-to-man, you know, which, again, we want to be our base. Uh, You know, my recommendation would be, you know, pick whatever you want your base to be, get good at it, then you can add one or two change-ups that, you know, like, we'll, it, we scrimmage a lot in practice. We try to get up and down a lot where, you know, mid-season, you know, we, we may, hey, let's put eight minutes on the clock and we're going to play a man-to-man scrimmage. Then eight more minutes on the clock and we're going to play a buzz scrimmage. And eight minutes, then we're going to play, mm-hmm. play a pressing scrimmage or, you know, where we can work on a bunch of things kind of organically in the context of a game. So we will do a lot of that sort of thing. But as far as like breakdown drills, you know, we're breaking down our man stuff, our ball screen defense, our, you know, guarding cutters and all those scenarios. We don't do that nearly as much with the other stuff. And so you're, like you said, you, you focus mostly on the, on the, on the man, uh, principles and so I'm, I'm curious i guess taking a step back when you first were implementing uh the buzz buzz defense or bringing that in especially because I, I have a feeling a lot of your players may have not have been exposed to it when you were first like introducing it did you find that it took your players a, a, a lot of time to get or once you explain kind of the concepts about playing the passing lanes and things of that nature that they picked up on it pretty quickly uh, they picked up on it pretty quickly uh this past season, I think, was our third year running that, um, third or fourth year, uh, running that to, in some capacity. Uh, you know, so like our, our returning kids, you know, we put it in that first year. And then since then, you know, you've got a number of kids that are pretty familiar. They really enjoy playing it, uh, you know, so it, because it's, it's kind of odd, kind of unconventional, I, I think that. Uh, the buy-in level was high. Like, I think, like, hey, this is kind of cool. It's different. Mm-hmm. We don't really see this. Uh, but, you know, we just really emphasize, like, get to your home bases, and then let's just fly around from there, you know, where we know it's not always going to be perfect. It's not always going to look the same every time. There's going to be, you know, every now and again, you're going to be late on a rotation or, Maybe we gamble for a steal that we don't quite get. But, you know, 
whatever we're in, we just, we want aggressive mistakes, you know, try to fly around. We really like getting deflections. We think that, uh, you know, especially if you're a team with some length, that, you know, it, it's a defense that because you're in passing lanes, you can get a lot of tip balls. So, you know, if you're playing real hard and you're playing with active hands, you know, even if you're not exactly where you're supposed to be, if we can get a deflection, now somebody runs after it, now we're off on the break. Um, you know, and that kind of frustrates the other team as well. With the team we have this year, we have pretty good length. Now, our guards were small, so the two people we had on top were just fairly average as far as length goes. Now, they're quick and tough, but our, our middle and our wings had really good length, uh, so that was nice. Like, we played a lot of the time two like post type players uh, together this year. So when we went buzz, one of them kind of goes to the wing, and you know there's pros and cons of that. They maybe don't cover quite as much ground, but the pro is it's harder to throw the ball over them mm -hmm. because you know they're five ten and long arms, and uh, you know in the girls' game that can be very difficult. So you know I, I think home bases is kind of number one for us and then number two it's just it's being really active it's playing with a lot of energy and enthusiasm active hands all that stuff that's going to translate you know to any defense and I think that's one reason why we've been able to run multiple things fairly effectively is that you know concepts guarding the ball moving on airtime playing with active hands you know boxing out like those are concepts that translate to whatever you're doing, whether any you're playing defense, in the zone yeah. or any. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those are just just good basic defensive principles. So you know, we continue to emphasize that stuff, whatever we're in. What is your uh, philosophy or or coaching mindset on on pressing? How much pressing do you do you uh, put in? Are, are you a press heavy team? Not a press heavy team? What kind of goes into that that sort of defensive mindset? Uh, so, I I like to press in spots. This year, uh, you know, I felt like, again, just being so young, we needed to kind of figure out the half court first and get more physical and, and all that. Uh, uh, we pressed in spots this year. Uh, we actually we were able to win a, a really big league game down the stretch where we were down eight with two minutes left. We had to press about the last probably four or five minutes of the game just to get us back in. We ended up going to overtime and getting the win that there's no way without that we'd have been able to. Uh, uh, you know, I will admit I don't like giving up layups. Um, you know, just personally, again, like I said earlier, got to kind of decide what you can live with. You know, there's been years that I've wanted to press all the time coming in, and I've learned enough about myself, I think, to to figure out if I don't think mentally I can live with layout. You know, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. The, like the, those stretches that, you know, that good teams sometimes will hit you on when you're pressing all the time where you give up three consecutive layouts. Uh you know, so it, it, it's going to be part of what we do, uh, you know, rather than I don't really think that's going to be like our full identity. I also think that 
you know, if, if you're a team that has deep tournament aspirations, like, I mean, I, I think the girls that we have coming back are very talented and now they're a lot more experienced, you know, like how often, you know, like we may be able to press a lot of teams locally and we may be able to press some teams in our league. And at times we'll do that, but like, you know, are you going to win a district final in the full court against another really good team? Or are you going to win in regionals in the full court against another really good team? Now, a lot of times I think the answer is maybe no, unless you just have exceptional athletes. So, you know, I, I think that whatever we do defensively, we want to try to prepare to, to beat the best teams that we might be able to see. And I think that you don't generally see 32 minutes of pressing work out against the elite level teams. At some point you're going to have to sit in man or, 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 or in the half court in some set and you're, you're going to just have to sit down and play defense. Right. I, I really want to win. Yeah. And, and that's, I think that's, that's always been kind of a bit of a challenge for me because I am so, so press heavy and, and I really just, I, I would love to just believe, right. That I could just press teams off the floor and, and, and just run them out of the gym. But then you face these more experienced teams and, and, and they'll just calmly break that press and not be in any rush. And then it's like, well, now we're, now we're back in the half court because that, that it wasn't anything that phased them because they're experienced or they've, they've just played through it a lot that, you know, a press is just going to be something that might slow them down for a second. And then they'll just get into it and just get into their offense. And we got to get into our half court defense. And and yeah. And and I, I really enjoy watching teams that are really good up in the full court. And, you know, and I've got a lot of respect for people that are able to teach that effectively. I don't think that's something that to this point that I'm a great pressing coach, you know, and, mm. and if it's not something that I fully believe in, I think it's not, you know, it's going to be hard to get the necessary buy-in from players. But I, I do think, you know, coaches that that really fit their personality and that really teach it well, I think that's a great weapon to have. And I also think it's a fun style to play that kind of enables you to play a lot of different people as well. So, you know, I, uh, I like it for our, for our current team, especially since like I said, a lot of times we're playing two post kids together where yeah, it makes uh, a bit of a challenge. Yeah. You know, just trying to put our best groups on the court. A lot of times, you know, our best group kind of consists of both of those ladies. You know, I, I felt like it was maybe a little bit more difficult to get good at that this year, but it's definitely something that we want to have because again, at some point you're going to be down late in the game and you're going to need to go to it. So, you know, we'd like. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's nice to to be able to to put it in, even if it just gets the other team to like think a little bit, you know, it's not something you necessarily want to sit in or you're even trying to, you know, uh, break them down with it, but, but it, it does make them think and maybe slows them down a little bit because it's just something new that they're going to have to kind of adjust to a little bit. And, and, and that could be all that you need out of the press in that sense. Oh yeah, no, that, that, that's a great point. You know, like I've talked about a little bit with like the buzz and with triangle, giving somebody a different look. And, and sometimes, I mean, sometimes you're surprised at how well something might work. Like, like that game where I said we came back late in the game, we're down 
eight, you know, inside two minutes. Like, honestly, the team that we were playing would have been one of the last teams that I would have thought that we could have pressed. Yeah. You know, they're, they're super quick, very athletic. They have experienced guards, but you know, it was at that point, it was just out of desperation. I mean, otherwise the clock was going to run out and you know, I don't I don't think it was even that we were great at it. But you know, but we played hard and they made maybe a couple uncharacteristic mistakes and you know, we knocked down a shot and it kind of built a little bit of momentum and just kind of changed the complexity of the game a bit. Well, to add to that point, I have been on on coaching staffs and I've seen success pressing a team that you normally wouldn't think you'd be successful with and I and I realized reflecting on it me, me and the other coaches is that other teams didn't really press this one particular team because they just assumed that they would be able to break it because of the athletes that they had but nobody had really tested them and we were one of the first teams to really like test their ability to break a press and it really did fluster them so you know it you know don't don't necessarily make assumptions just on athletic ability or what you think they can do you know go ahead and press them and see if they can actually break it Oh yeah, though that that's that's a great point, you know. And again, I just think this this philosophy of you know having a couple options to use whatever those options may be, you know, throughout a game, you know, hey, this isn't working. Let's go to Plan B. Let's go to Plan C. And you know, you might stumble upon something. Well, so years ago, my last year coaching boys, I. Honestly, we didn't have a real strong group that year. I think we'd only won six games in the regular season. And, uh, you know, we had played almost all man. And, uh, you know, the buzz at that point wasn't something that I was familiar with. Mm -hmm. So uh, we went into a first-round tournament game, and we had seen on film, you know, we had like a week to prepare. So it was like, you know, okay, we can experiment a little bit. Well, we had seen the team that we were going to play had struggled playing against 1-3-1. And we had not played any 1-3-1. Yeah. So we put it in at practice, and we thought, well, let's just have it if we need it. Well, we started, man, we didn't use the 1-3-1. We win the game without it. So our second game, we're playing a really strong team. We start I think we might have started 2-3, and then we played man. We're down 17 at halftime. And, I mean, they're, they're just better than we are. Mm -hmm. So it was like, well, hey, we just spent a week, you know, working on this 1-3-1. Let's try it. I mean, we held them to seven points in the second half and won the game. Wow. That's great. I mean, it, I mean, it, was, it, it wasn't great coaching. It was, hey, <laughs> we don't have any ideas left. There was no logical reason why we could play one three one against let's, this let's team. Do it, <laughs> but but no, the, the kids played super hard, and it just it kind of broke their rhythm a little bit, and you know, and we were able to win that game. So then the next game, we thought let's just stay in it. We won the next game too, you know, something that we literally had not played a possession of all year long. But just kind of having a different option at the right time, you know, let us go on a pretty, you know, on a pretty fun run. Oh, that's that's awesome. I love that. And I think that that's just a perfect encapsulation of the whole topic of, you know, put put it in, you know, if you, if you got confidence in your guys, or your girls and, and, and just want to see what happens, go for it. And, and you can be surprised really at what 
how adaptable uh, a team can be if they have those good defensive principles. You can almost put them in anything for even a little bit, even if it is just a few minutes, and and it could just be enough to to get the momentum where you want it to be. I think I think that's really cool. I, th I think that'd be great to just be able to you know put something in just for a few minutes and just the look itself might be confusing enough for the other team. Even if your guys or girls aren't exactly running it to perfection, it just looks different. And that could be all that you really need out of it. Uh, absolutely. Coach, to wrap up, there's a couple questions that I ask every guest. So I'm going to go ahead and start um, here with this first one, which is uh, thinking back on your coaching career, what is a moment from your coaching career that you think others listening would be able to learn from? Um, so I would say, you know, throughout my career, I, I've learned and I'm continuing to learn to just to not assume anything that, you know, our perceptions as adults might be very different than the perception of a 15, 16, 17 year old student athlete, you know, that we're coaching. And, uh, you know, just, I, I think I'm learning to kind of over communicate you know, making sure that nothing gets kind of lost in translation, you know. Uh, I, I just feel like, you know, as coaches, I think we all have good intentions. But, you know, I, you know I've had a time or two over the years where, you know, hey, the season ends and then you realize, you know, well, hey, this, this player, this, this kid was, you know, was maybe upset about they, their view of something was very different than, the coaching staffs and that wasn't communicated. And now, you know, now we've got an issue. It maybe led that player to not have the experience that he or she wanted to have. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I think for me, uh, you know, we've got a really good staff kind of helping, getting the help of my staff and leaning on them to help me make sure that, you know, any blind spots that I might have are kind of taken care of and that we, ha you know, have the pulse of the team at any given time, uh, you know, and, and just making sure that, you know, that we check up on our kids as much as possible on and off the court, you know. And I think that moving into next year, one of my goals is to really be more intentional about that, you know, having difficult conversations when need be, really over-communicating and making sure that, you know, making sure that players are exactly, you know, are completely aware of maybe where they stand, whether that's role, whether that's, playing time whether that's starting whatever that may be rather than to to wait and let any like discontent kind of kind of linger on and, and grow as the season goes on because again i i think you know nobody goes into this job with bad intentions i think we all want what's best for kids and what what's best for our team but you know again how a, in my case on the girls side you know how a 15 or 16 year old young lady perceives things might be different than how myself at 35 years old, obviously <laughs> in a different role, it, yeah, you yeah. know, are going to perceive things. I, I think that's something important to remember. As, as, as a girls coach, myself coach, I, I completely get it. Sometimes I, I wonder with my girls for even speaking the same language sometimes. So I I'm, I'm, I'm with you there, but uh <laughs> yeah, don't don't make assumptions. I think that's that's a good one here. You know, uh, communication, communication. You know, communication. And uh, I've I've learned a lot. I I think about uh, being a better communicator for for those interactions. So no, I appreciate you sharing that. And to wrap up, 
I give uh, every guest what I call kind of a 60-second soapbox. It's kind of your platform to get out like a final message, a closing thought, a final idea, just something that you want to leave the listeners with, and you can kind of take it in any direction that you want. So I'm just going to kind of give you the floor, Coach, and I'm just going to let you kind of take it from here. Uh yeah, thank you. I, you know, I, I would maybe just end with just a, as a reminder to myself as, as much as anybody else, you know, I, I, this profession, and I think it's a big responsibility and I think it's an important job. I, you know, I think that most adults now that were athletes growing up, up could probably point to a coach or two or more that has positively impacted them or maybe even at times it negatively impacted them. And, uh, you know, I, I know that, you know, today it's probably kind of a tough environment to be a coach. Uh, you know, obviously there's a lot of second guessing and social media kind of adds to that scrutiny. You know, I, I would just remind all of us, you know, not to get caught up in that negativity and just to continue what's doing right, what's, you know, continue doing what's right for our kids, because that's, that's why we're all in this. Uh, you know, that's why I wanted the coach to begin with, you know, going back to, again, that, that grad party, when my coach brought it up, you know, I thought it was a really cool opportunity to, to stay involved with the game, but also to make a difference with young people. And, uh, you know, I, I think that we all just need to remember that even on the tough days coming after a loss or, having a parent conflict or what, you know, an administration conflict or all the challenges that we go through, you know, remember why we're doing this and how important the profession is. Uh, that's really well said. I, I couldn't put it any better. Coach, I really want to thank you for coming on, talking defense, talking about defensive philosophy, talking about blending in your defenses, man, buzz, press, triangle and two, all that really good stuff. I'm really excited for, not only the year that, that you had and all the success that you have, but the fact that you're going to have a real awesome opportunity with such a young group next year. So thank you. Best of luck. Uh, keep, keep doing what you're doing, especially on the defensive end. And uh, I really look forward to continuing to following your journey next year and see how things are going. Best of luck, coach. Thank you. Hey, thank you very much. I appreciate it. And thank you all for listening. This was another edition of the Basketball Teacher Podcast, and we will see you guys next Thank you for listening to another edition of the Basketball Teacher Podcast. Make sure to connect with us on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, or reach us directly through email at basketballteacherpodcast at gmail.com. Take care, be safe, and we'll see you next time.